0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders and top athletes throughout the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Senior Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Brian Carnes, Championship Director for next year's 104th PGA Championship at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Teens Conference and Expo. The world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. Teams 21 will be held at the Atlantic City Convention Center in Atlantic City, New Jersey from September 27th through the 30th, 2021. This year's conference will again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Sports Link Program and NGB Best Practices Seminar, as well as the annual symposium of the National Congress of State Games. For more details on everything we have planned at Teams this year, please visit teamsconference.com. And now, on to the conversation. The PGA Championship was one of golf's four majors, having first been held in 1916. Traditionally held late in the summer as the fourth major of the calendar year, the PGA moved to the weekend before Memorial Day in 2019, becoming the season's second major after the Masters. The 2022 event was scheduled to be held at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey, before the PGA of America in January announced that it would be moving the event instead to Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the 2021 Senior PGA Championship was recently completed. The PGA also reserved a giant burst of additional attention when this year's event at Kiowa Island in South Carolina was shockingly won by Phil Mickelson, making him the oldest player to win a major in golf history. It comes right as the PGA of America is about to make tickets for the 2022 PGA Championship available exclusively online through an online registration process for the first major to be played at Southern Hills since 2007 when Tiger Woods won his fourth Wanamaker Trophy. We talked with Brian Carnes, championship director for next year's PGA, about what goes into the planning for a major championship, the similarities and differences between the senior PGA and PGA, the surge of interest in next year's event coming off Bill Mickelson's dramatic win, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Brian Carnes, thank you for taking the time out to join us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Next year will be your first as Championship Director for the PGA Championship after this month's Senior PGA, which was your fourth time as Championship Director. What are the early differences you can tell already between the two events? Well, just the size.
1: I mean, it's, you know, and, and the fact that our PGA of America, we run the Ryder Cup, we run the PGA Championship, and then the KitchenAid Senior PGA and the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. So, most of my career I actually started with the Ryder Cup, which is our biggest event doing corporate sales. So I've had a chance to kind of touch all of our events in, in some capacity. And so, you know, the scale of it all, which is probably, you know, a senior PGA is maybe a tenth of the size scope. I'm fully aware of those things, which has made this transition much easier to kind of be aware. And and there were certain things you know, that we were able to leverage from this year into next year. But really, it's just, it's more of a, from a broadcast standpoint, from a ticket standpoint, attendance, it all just goes up in a way that really brings more people to the table. There's a lot more Uh, cooks in the kitchen uh, when it comes to something like this, but that's because it is such a global event. Uh, Golf is in an incredible place right now. Thinking about the PGA Championship two weeks ago and and just the buzz around that, I mean, the television ratings, the number of people that were out there, the impact it had on that Charleston community, that's what's exciting. I mean, sure, it's going to be more work. There's a lot more certainly at stake, but also the ceiling is so much higher when it comes to what this can do for the Tulsa community. Obviously Southern Hills is an iconic golf course and for a lot of these guys though because there's been a 14 year gap since the 07 PGA when Tiger Woods won, uh, a lot of these young guys haven't had a chance to play it. So it's a really cool balance of, you know, someone like Phil who is going to come in as defending champion and having played that golf course three or four times in major championship setting. But then you're going to get someone like Colin Morikawa who won the PGA championship last year and was seven years old the last time a major championship was here. So it it makes for a really cool storyline.
0: You mentioned the the PGA that was just completed over at Kiowa Island, it was maybe the most memorable in the modern history of that event. What kind of interest have you seen immediately in the local Tulsa market after the PGA was just completed when it comes to the 22 event for whether it's ticket sales or local volunteerism?
1: Yeah, well, we saw a huge spike. We were already riding a lot of momentum just because, you know, ha- having a senior PGA in this market, that was that was huge just because people were already thinking golf and then we were able to tie the two, but yeah, I I was almost, you almost sort of forget what, someone like Phil Winning can do because we knew we were going to get some additional bump. We knew that people will obviously be watching on the broadcast. There were mentions of ticket registration and here's how to get involved next year, the 22. So we anticipated a bump, but Phil Winning and just the energy of that final round and and the incredible showdown with Brooks Koeper, it just really amplified that. And so... Ah, uh, by the time you know we we started seeing numbers in terms of registrants, we we were just blown away because uh, we expected you know to have to have a really strong response. instead, it was almost unprecedented. And, and I think it also speaks to people coming out of Covid just ready to do something ready to to get back to normal. I mean the pJ championship, this is two years in a row now that we've had it either with no spectators or reduced spectators. So to have something like that to look forward to, it really almost feels like almost a national kind of reach with this because people want to get back to this and they, they they haven't seen it for two years. And so it really opens the door for this to be a special championship next year in Tulsa.
0: You mentioned the Senior PGA Championship, which you just completed uh, over in Tulsa at Southern Hills. And what has been the biggest learning curve, you think, in your time as Senior PGA Championship director from your first event that you ran in 2015 through this year's event in Tulsa?
1: Yeah, you know, I'd say one of the biggest shifts for us uh, is just the, you know, the the way consumers engage now, spectators engage w- with their phones digitally. Uh, I, I remember, I mean, my very first event actually with the PGA of America was the 2008 Ryder Cup uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, and and back then, you know, people were all operating off the flip phones, and so there was no you know, real true social media on your on your cell phone, there was no fan engagement, there was nothing. So we didn't allow cell phones, we certainly didn't allow photos, it was very restrictive, you had to have like a sticker on your phone to even be able to use it. And if you saw someone on their phone, it was like, Oh, my gosh, let's, you know, call security quickly. Whereas now, it's all about that. It's all about how can we go, you know, this year, our pairings guides, course maps, everything was digital, the ticket, it's all on your phone. And so now it's all about how can we engage? How can we let people know exactly what's going on? How can we incorporate video? The phone has been the great game changer in all of this because that's what people, how they want to consume. They want to be able to hear a roar over on 12, they want to be able to five seconds later look at their phone and see what what was the highlight from that. They just want to be in the know. And so when you start to factor in Twitter, uh, social media, interactive sort of course maps, I would say that's one of the biggest things that has evolved in the last twelve years. And you see that at, at so many stadiums now, where it's concessions, you know, buy and have it dropped off, or order it ahead, or just any sort of engagement. Now the biggest concern is just how do we make sure that the Wi-Fi is good enough so to to actually carry these programs because For us in particular, it's very challenging to create a, you know, sort of Wi-Fi infrastructure when you have maybe 200 acres of golf course that you're trying to predict where are people and, the, you know, and certainly the cellular data, even though we'll bring in things to boost those signals, uh, it, it creates a, a huge challenge. But but I think we've almost got to the point now, particularly coming this year, where it had to be right because people's tickets were, were on their phone. We didn't have the ability this year for people to print their tickets or have the paper tickets. But yeah, our end game is, is that hopefully... hopefully... Hopefully it'll, it'll just make it a better experience for the spectators.
0: You mentioned a little while ago, the last time that Southern Hills hosted a major was 2007, the PGA championship won by Tiger Woods. You are an Oklahoma native. What does it mean for you that you were the tournament director for this year's senior PGA, and you're also going to be the tournament championship director for next year's PGA in your home state?
1: Oh, man, it means everything. Because, you know, I was I was actually an intern in 2007. And it was sort of my I was a three week internship. I was in grad school at Oklahoma State, I felt like I needed to do something else. Like so many people probably now in the sports industry or entertainment, whatever it is, you take any internship, you can you take any work opportunity, you can really just to build a resume. I knew that I liked golf. I'm actually not a great golfer. I'm like a 15 handicapper. So I can get around, but I'm not, I'm not great. So I never really considered a career in golf. I I love sports, but I got out there and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is this whole side of this industry, which is, you know, sort of event management and marketing and corporate services and media, like it all just kind of clicked. And, and so I look at that as like the moment, that the light came on for me from a professional standpoint. And, And that was coming up on 14 years ago. And so next year will be 15 years from like that light bulb moment And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of, you know, sort of full circle or however you want to describe it. But I think certainly, you know, a year from now on that, on that 17th or on the 18th green, when we're crowning a champion, it's going to, it's probably going to be overwhelming to think that it all kind of came to that. And so I'm excited, you know, Tulsa, I think in general is sort of maybe under the radar in a lot of ways in terms of what it could support. I mean, there are no technically no professional sports in Tulsa, but major championship golf, in my mind, is a professional sport. To be able to have the volunteer base, the ticket base, the corporate base to support this says everything. But certainly being from, I grew up an hour and 15 minutes from Tulsa, my wife's from Tulsa, uh, all of our family, either lives here in Oklahoma City, it does put that extra, you know, incentive on, on getting this right. A little bit of added pressure, but That's, like I said earlier, I mean, why I'm in this industry, I sort of enjoy having that pressure. And my wife was a a trooper this last week, you know, a lot more ticket requests come in when you're in your hometown. But I did at a certain point have to say, call my, call my wife. You know, even to my parents, I was like, I'm not, I can't, I can't deal with one. How, how, paper did,
0: paper. how did they take that when your parents are asking for tickets and you're like, can you, can you talk to yeah. talk to somebody else for a second?
1: Yeah, well, they, they kind of know the drill. I, I have very patient parents who, who you know, don't want to be a bother. And, and, you know, fortunately, my parents have actually come and supported me at all the events I've done, whether French Lick, Indiana, Rochester, New York, Washington, D.C. So it was, I think, neat for them to be able to see it in, in their hometown. But, but all in all, it's, it's a great club. It's a great community, just good people in general. But certainly when they kind of carry the, the same you know hometown, home state as you do, there's an added bonus for getting things done right. So certainly the great feedback from the players, the, the tremendous media coverage, just talking to spectators and, and you hear that, uh, you see people out there having a great time that week. It's incredibly
0: gratifying. Southern Hills is going to be hosting the 2022 PGA Championship after the tournament was moved from a different course in New Jersey to Southern Hills. How does that affect the planning for such an event when you have to imagine there were still some preparations, even if they were very early on, had already been done in New Jersey. And now you have to restart them all from scratch in Tulsa, and you've already been preparing for for a different major with the senior PGA.
1: Yeah, it, it it was. It was a mix of uh we knew early on and and when we started to look at a venue for twenty two, once we got to that point, that there were some things in place that we knew would make it easier here. So you know, and it really just started with our relationship with the city, state, with the club. A lot of the reason we come in early, and people will say that the question comes up a lot, you know, why the heck are you on site two years? Does it really take two years? And you know, I think you know. You could answer a number of different ways, but I always say that the relationship building part of it is really where the value comes from. So those two years, whether it's with the county, if it's with the health department, it's with the, the local police, every all the people that we need to to get stuff done very quickly. I think most people know that sometimes getting permits and and all these things that can take a while, but when we've already got 12 18 months invested in these in these folks they see us living in the community they know we're here every day it made it a lot easier but like I referenced earlier the fact that you know we already had 13 1400 volunteers for this event those are the same people that are going to want to volunteer next year ticket buyers corporate clients I and mean, really the corporate thing was it was a great sort of pivot for us because we got to January we had set the record for corporate sales for a senior PGA here so we had just a ton of inventory on the golf course when this announcement was made and at the same time the announcement was made in January we were still staring down the barrel of of, of you know a lot of covid restriction even though now it's all of a sudden June 2nd and and we're thinking okay we're, we're you know, restaurants, everything's back open. If you've got the vaccine, nobody's, nobody's a mask. In January, there was no level of confidence that that would be the case by May, right? Still tremendous uncertainty. And so we felt like, wow, we were going to struggle to build these structures regardless. So we went to all of our corporate clients and said, hey, we know you want to be a part of 22. So we're going to give you an out and we're just going to basically rip everything up from 21. We're going to build some open air structures that are much more friendly for any sort of COVID protocol. A little more room for people to spread out, and then we'll go ahead and let you get going on 22. So that's really one of the the things that we spend the most time when we're 24, 36 months out is trying to tap into those corporate, you know, the corporate base because uh, a lot of the tents are, are, you know, have big price tags, and so companies need, you know, maybe a two year budget cycle. But the fact that we were able to just sort of pivot very quickly has allowed us to to get caught up, but there's still a lot that we're going to have to do. And it's why the next two or three months, instead of being kind of a slow stretch, we'll, we'll be getting some things buttoned up because we get to this fall. That's when we, we start to finalize our plan for next May. So it is quick, but I think it's all worth it to me. I, I think I knew that for that two-week stretch where there was a little bit of uncertainty—is going to come to Tulsa? Is it going to go somewhere else? That you know what, even if it meant a, a longer summer than I had expected, it was it was totally going to be worth it. So, uh, and right now, what's great about this community is that you know everyone—it's just a, it's it's a yes. No one, no one, we don't go to anyone and say, "Hey, you know, we need maybe some help with the parking lot here. or We need some help with some transportation there." And people are pushing back, going, "Yeah, we don't." want to be a part of that everyone wants to be a part of that and that's what makes communities like these great for us to come to because everybody's pulling the same direction
0: you know for any event and you kind of mentioned some of the things that you were having to do with the senior pga because you had you were in an event that you would like to plan out things months in advance you kind of had to kind of go almost week by week depending on the status of covid restrictions and for any event whether it's this summer or planning for next summer with the pga fan attendance health protocols, exit and entrance policies are issues that have demanded more attention than ever before. How do you think the senior PGA protocols this month went and what have you seen that you may want to change or modify over the next year ahead of the PGA?
1: Yeah, I thought they really, really well. I mean, obviously the the biggest thing was when the CDC came out and and basically said, look, outdoor events, that there's no need for people that are vaccinated to, to have masks. And so we made that switch from required to recommended still, you know, within the clubhouse, indoor areas, play, you know, player bubble, we, we tested the players, there was a tremendous amount of, of effort put in on that front. So we were pleased with the way it went. Certainly at a, at a golf course, there's, you know, when you only have a limited number of people, which we capped it out at 8,000 a day, we, we sort of made that part of our messaging that if you want to come in and socialize and be around people, that's great, you can do that. But if you're still maybe uncomfortable and, and want to put six feet of distance between you and somebody else, then there's a lot of golf course you can go and walk, you can go and get your hot dog and, and you can go, you know, and, and then the concession lines, the merchandise lines, all socially distanced. So I think we were really happy with how that went. And and that was one of the things you referenced. Like normally we would work with the health department on the outdoor kitchens. Our concessionaire would work with them on a number of things, but it's really not a conversation I have. I don't really deal with the health department a ton because our concessionaire comes in and sort of handles that exclusively. Well, because of COVID, I mean, we were best friends. Friends with the health department, and spent a <laughs> lot of time. They, they were they were great partners, and that made a huge difference. Is that we could ask those questions, and as we were developing a plan, because that was required for an event of our size uh, at this point in time. But but it, that's just it. I mean, it, and that goes back to just the local partnership where the community says, "Hey, we want to help you. We don't want to be a hurdle. We don't want to be a, an impediment uh, when it comes to getting this done." So that that was huge, but. Yeah, I, I think next year there's still things we we will learn from. Like, I think again, hands should hands, hands on just be everywhere. Yeah, that's probably a good thing, uh, so that people can always have that, and and that we make sure we're doing things to help reduce any sort of spread of anything. Th- those are all good takeaways. I think you know this accelerated our move into digital ticketing and digital, you know, cashless payments and how we handled that. I think that's something that we'll see a lot of and our industry as a whole probably is going to have a number of takeaways where we say, look, we want to get back to to having people together and and having these electric atmospheres. But at the same time, there's some really good things that we learned this year and and how we can handle problems and how we can troubleshoot. And our offices the last year, everyone being remote and trying to plan a championship, there's a certain point that, that we just we just have to be together. But it was, it's something I think we don't ever want to have to to go through again. It's a waste of a crisis to not take some learnings to get better. You know, and at the end of the day, it, it, you know everything that's happened, I mean, I, I've said this in the last two weeks that look, not having a championship or going spectators, that's ultimate small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. Like, and you look at, at what's happened the last year and, and so many people have, have dealt with so much loss and devastation. So us losing out on one year of championships, that doesn't mean anything. But we understand the role that sports play, that these events play in getting people back to normal and getting people excited again and connecting people. And so that's why I feel like the future is so bright and why next year represents such a massive opportunity for us. The Ryder Cup this fall, it's really, really an exciting time, I think, to
0: be in this industry because of what we see on the horizon. I know that making any course PGA Tour ready can be an arduous task, let alone major championship ready. In a way, does having the senior PGA this year Help you with how you expect the course to set up next year when the PGA Championship comes in, and I'm talking in ways even if they weren't able to have it at the full inventory that you may have expected because of COVID. But, but things of hospitality areas, concessions areas, how are how you place things strategically around the course?
1: Yeah, it wasn't an exact sort of uh, dress rehearsal, but but it was close enough that that certainly inside the ropes, which is really in the hands of the superintendent Russ Myers. Is is absolutely world class, and you know we had a a pretty bad freeze here. And February was kind of the one that you know affected Texas, and and it was it was pretty brutal on the grass. And then him and his team had to put in a lot of work with sod, getting things back in in shape. But but it's it's huge for him, and and from a competition standpoint, to see how the seniors played the golf course, and you know maybe where we should put some pin locations. How, from a distance standpoint, we should put yardages. But yeah, outside the ropes, there's a lot of little things, flow of traffic and where we put people. And even though the build is going to be so much bigger next year, there was a lot of discussions. Every little thing was analyzed because... And in most instances, we might have some learnings, but we don't come back for eight to 10 years. And so it's, you try to take them and then sort of put them on the other event, but each side is so different. All of our venues are so different because one venue might have some great parking and a great place for hospitality, but spectator walkways are tough or, you know, whatever. There's not one host site that's like 10 out of 10 checks every box. And that's, that's to be expected because golf courses aren't built to host Thirty thousand people a day. That's not what they're done. They're the, so totally different than arenas or or stadiums. But we spent a lot of time this week looking at things for next year and and you know how that would go and how things are serviced. That's one of the I think small behind the scenes things that people forget about is you know all these tents. They look great from the front, but it's like there is an entire city behind it. Uh, whether it's power, concessions, uh, kitchens. Uh, restrooms, all of that has to be placed. And then all of it has to be serviced. It's not like you just set a restroom out there and it just goes for a week. You got to have somebody out there, you get the food, everything has to be done. So so it has to be built in that way. But a lot of positives, a lot of really good energy coming out of this week. And we're in as good of a spot as as we could hope to be.
0: How do you expect the course to be set up next year from a player's perspective? And how far in advance do you see the course being shut down for PGA preparations to start? Because that's a big thing. Sometimes When you talk about courses and these country clubs that are having major championships, it's a huge thing prestige-wise for Southern Hills to be having another PGA come to town. But I'm sure in some ways, because you are taking over the course for quite a bit of time, you have to really work on that relationship that you have with them and the people who are locally based.
1: Yes, that's a great point. And it is. It's a reason why not every golf course necessarily puts their hands up when it comes to this. Some clubs just, they get it. They understand the value, but having these two championships back to back, it's definitely, you know, it, it creates two years where these members are, are losing their golf course anywhere from two to four weeks. And and that's not a small thing to, to have to do that. And then some of the golf course, there's spots that are going to have to get restored and that they're coming out for the next two or three weeks. And there's people tearing down tents. And it's, it's almost like a construction zone that they're playing through and, and working through. So it'll probably be three or four weeks before we're really mostly off the golf course, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge undertaking. And so that's why we really feel like the partnership with Southern Hills is as strong as any that we have, because they're willing to do that. They're willing to be a part of the process and and we consider them a partner in this. It's a very collaborative thing. We don't just come in and say, this is how it is. Contractually we get to do this, so we're gonna do this, and we're not hearing but there's you know a lot of conversations both with the membership, with the staff that we have. But what happens next year, and because it's May, and even in Oklahoma where you have relatively mild winters and it's typically warm by the time you get to mid-May, there's not a lot of room, not a lot of time for the golf course to grow, for the grass to grow. Spectators love that it's in May, because August in Oklahoma, the heat is brutal. But the superintendent likes it when it's in August because you've got a chance to let everything come in and green up. So so it's, a, it's more of a challenge for him. But just like this year, you know, there was a stretch where it went from reduced play to walking only to then no play. So they kind of tier it. And, and the superintendent, again, is so good that, that he, he's able to sort of keep his eye on it. You know, he'll have a plan probably the end of this year, they'll reduce play a little bit. And then coming out of next year, members are are totally aware of the fact that for March, April, and, and certainly into May... At any point, the club could say, hey, we got to stop play. We have to pull it off. We have to reduce guest play, whatever it is. Uh, Again, I'm not any kind of an agronomist, so I don't know know how to grow grass. I can't even keep like succulent alive. So I, I do always marvel at how impressive these guys are when it comes to doing this stuff. But that's why we go to these venues because we know that they're able to keep it a championship level caliber.
0: You and your staff are focused a lot on the corporate sales, volunteer recruitment, as well as just pretty much almost every facet of the tournament operations. How do you prioritize issues 12, 9, 6, and then three months before a major? That's a great question based on historicals
1: that there's certainly things that we try to do from a calendar standpoint and here's a lot of it's through our vendors so there's timelines that we have to get to from a budgeting standpoint from a planning standpoint so there's one vendor that does all of the tenting on site for us and so we have to make sure we have those plans finalized and that might be seven eight months out and then the same thing from a budgeting standpoint and tickets um So really by the time you get to three months out, it's it's really, you're putting the finishing touches on, on most things. By the time we get to that point, you get more to execution, but, but you're absolutely right. It it really is a, it's a slow from, you know, the next three to four months. It's still working through sales and, and engaging the market. But once we get towards the end of the year, it really becomes about the backside of it. And we get to February, I mean, this, this event, we get trucks on site at the end of February first of March to start this build. So it's a really short turnaround, but I think the fact that we've been through it so many times before, we have a great support system at our PGA of America headquarters. So so many of the folks that support us, even though we have six people on our onsite team right now, we do have 25, 30, 40 people in headquarters that that are helping us out.
0: When watching this year's PGA Championship at Kiowa, how much do you spot from TV when when you're watching it yourself, or get feedback on the scene, and coming up with attending to issues that you may not thought of initially? I know at the PGA, one of the things that everybody it was everybody got crazy over in social media about how great a scene it was was the fans surrounding the 18th green on Sunday when what to see Phil putt out and win the championship. But on there on another level, you're thinking, oh boy, I wonder if the tournament operations staff was wonder it was was a little taken it back that that crowd came out that aggressively so you know how do you work with people and you know when you see something on tv and be like i need to make a note of that at our next staff meeting we need to be prepared for x y and T to happen let alone the pga championship staff that was at kiawa telling you okay now we need to be prepared for this next year
1: that's that's a great question and and we're always always watching i mean certainly our our own championships were front row and and you know have all the feedback but we look at not you know not just golf tournaments but just all sporting events whether their security i mean you you know you're seeing what's going on in the nba uh with some of the things they're having to do to to better protect the players you know you kind of hope on some level that spectators will understand that they are spectators they're not a part of it that they need to treat the competitors as people that are doing their jobs but we also know that uh, you know things go sideways and so we learn from them and we obviously don't want to put our players uh the contestants in any kind of uh, situation and 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 you love that enthusiasm. And maybe that's a takeaway from something like that. You love the enthusiasm. You love that imagery, but also go back and say, could we have got to a better job? Can we let's talk to the players? Let's talk to the media, the broadcast folks that were on the ground there. And and do we look at as maybe not how we want to handle it or or what could be different in the future? But we're always trying to learn, always trying to grow. I mean, I think there's no question that as much as we consider ourselves the best in the business at running these things, we're never going to be good enough. We're always going to need to get better. And that comes from really looking at the entire landscape. I mean, there's our ticketing vendor that we use. They do Coachella, right? And so I love picking their brain about what is it like to sell that and what kind of ticket types do you sell? And and you start to get the data. I mean, that's the world we live in now, that there's just so much data out there. And what makes sense, and when you start to market things, I, you know, look constantly. I'm like on, you know, 50 different professional sports team, like ticket registry things. So I'll be like, wow, what a cool email. And, and my peers will do the same thing. they be like, Hey, look at this season ticket holder email from South Carolina football or from, you know, something like that, and look at this package they did for season ticket holders or a new program at the concession stand that allowed people to go to the front of the line. So it's at the forefront of what we do. Our CEO, Seth Waugh, is very sort of cutting edge and has pushed us to say golf has, for many years, maybe from a vent standpoint, been a little more traditional and not as up with everything that's going on in the world from a technology standpoint. But there is an opportunity to change that. And as much as we can continue to replicate and stay at the at the front end, at least, that's going to always be our goal in terms of how we run these championships.
0: Given the amount of time that you're able to spend around Southern Hills preparing for the senior PGA, now after a little, maybe a deep breath or two, but maybe not three breaths, preparing for next year's PGA, I guess one more question for you, Brian, how is your golf game? <laughs>
1: It's uh, it's uh, my golf game. I'm fortunate that it's not a prerequisite for my job that <laughs> that i be a low, low handicapper. So I, I love golf. I mean, I got a chance to go play a few holes on Monday. Uh, it was, you know, it's always a neat thing to play the day after and be out there. And, and, and I'd like to be able to play more, but it's my golf game is uh, my goal is always, I just need to be able to get around, right. I need to be able to get it out there. Play, but golf is really an incredible game, and you know it's a lifetime game. We're at the PGA of America. That's really our focus: is growing the game. These championships are just, you know, probably our most visible asset. There's 29,000 PGA professionals every day that are out teaching people to play golf, that are growing the game, and, and that's really the most important thing. If we, we want people to have a good time, and afterwards say, "Hey, that was great." I enjoyed myself. I loved the whole experience, but we want that ultimate step to be is that they get pick up a club and they go, hey, I want to go out to the driving range or I want to go play around. I want to get a lesson because that's the great thing is even as a 15 handicapper, I can still go out and, and play golf and, and have a great time you know, we're never going to be as good as, as uh, the men and women we see on TV, but, but we can still enjoy it. And, and that's why we do this to, to help grow the game and, and support what uh, those 29,000 men and women are doing.
0: Well, Brian, I really appreciated the time that you took today. And thanks for joining us and good luck with planning everything the 2022 PGA Championship coming to Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you so much. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all of your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trial for Sports Travel.